0: Welcome to The Gathering at Adel. Thank you for joining us today. Today's message is continuing in our series over Psalm 23. We'll be looking at verse number five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Psalm 23. I don't know. It's one of these psalms that's been used so many times and we've talked about it at length, but It's almost been a disservice that it's been used at so many funerals, because now we just picture it as the funeral psalm, and we've lost the appreciation for it, and so we're going to read Psalm 23. I'm reading out of the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, not because it's better. It's just because that's what I've got, and I do enjoy it. So uh, if you don't have your Bible, you can look up on the screens here. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, may may it, it accomplish what you set out for it today. Father, may you strengthen us and encourage us. May you convict us. May you reveal yourself through this word today. In your name we pray. Amen. We, we've talked through here at length about what what this psalm looks like, and he is our shepherd and, and how a shepherd feeds, leads, and protects his sheep. We went through the, the next part. He lets me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He leads me along the right path. Last week, we kind of came to that point where he changes over from the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He renews my life. He leads me to last week, it says, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no danger, for you are with me. So he changed from the third person to the second person where he says, for you are with me. Your your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so kind of look at that. And so you kind of come through on this journey of David, who is a shepherd, and he's walking us through like, the Lord is my shepherd. He lets me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters. Oh, but even though we might have to go through the valley of the shadow of death, it's okay because he is with us. And so we looked at that. And then today we get to come to this point where he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And so when we look at this, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I think so many times what we want is we want you prepare a table for me and it's just me and you. We don't like that last part in the presence of our enemies. Because that means that the enemies are present. Jesus sat down on the night that he was handed over to suffering and death and he took supper the last supper he broke bread and and he had fellowship with Judas. The Lord prepared a table for Jesus in the presence of his enemy. Judas was at the table. He, he could have made Judas be gone, but he didn't. He was there. We, we've taught, and hopefully we're, we're trying to correct some of this stuff, that the fact that when we become Christians, not everything just magically goes away, that we'll never encounter sickness, we'll never encounter disease, that we'll never encounter relationships uh, falling through, that we'll never encounter shortcomings in our budgets. like we... We've taught, we've been taught this cheap Christianity, this shallow and immature Christianity, but what we're trying to do is correct that and bring into the depth that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. It's going to happen. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and I think what happens is we want these things to just go away because we don't want to have to go through them ourselves. Nobody wants to have to go through them, but what the Lord does in you through them is so much more important than you avoiding it. Yes. Yes. When you face trials and temptations, what the Lord is working out in you is so much more important than, being, than just avoiding it and going right around it. Yes. Yes. Could, could he just say, oh man, you know what, Jeff, Jeff is never going to be tempted with Dr. Pepper ever again. He could do that. That would not be as good and kind and loving as I would expect out of my father. But that, he could do that. But, but I'm faced with that temptation. And, and Dr. Preppers is light. But whether it's uh, your, your job or, or in-laws or your spouse or a cancer diagnosis or car troubles. He could just bypass all of that. But what is more important is not bypassing it. But what he brings you to and through is so much more important. Man, wouldn't it be great if marriages never fought? I mean, ours doesn't, but for y'all's, if y'all's never fought, wouldn't it be? (laughs) Wouldn't it be great? But how shallow would we be at the first time that there was a fight? How immature would we be? You know, that first fight, the stereotypical where the wife runs off and goes to, to back to her mom's house. Never happened at ours, but that's stereotypical. You know, you hear of those things happening. She actually fled from her mom's house. No, I'm joking. Uh, we'll have to edit that part out. Uh, <laughs> but you hear of that because what happens is the honeymoon phase and then it's over. And then as soon as the first trial, they go back to what was familiar. But what the Lord is trying to do is trying to take us out of that familiar. What what do we run to in the midst of trial? If he just bypasses it, then we'll always go to that. Whether that's lust, whether that's Dr. Pepper, whether that's food, whether that's money, whatever it is. We'll always go back to that if we never have to go through the trial. Because once we go through the trial, then we say, I fear no danger for you are with me. We learn to lean on him in those trials and those hard times instead of leaning on what we've always known and what's always been familiar. And so I would love if it never had to happen, but actually I wouldn't because I would be the most immature person there is. As soon as the first thing happened, then I would doubt my faith. I would doubt if God is good. I would doubt if he loves me. But when we face those trials, it's good. And look at the picture. He says he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. The invitation is to sit. The invitation is to rest. In our our minds, we want to get up and we want to make it about us. And we want to strive and work and earn like we have to earn our seat at the table. But he says, even in the middle of your enemies, even in the middle of your ugliness and your messiness, here is a table. Prepared for you, not here's a blank table. Now earn your food, earn the Dr Pepper, earn whatever else goes on the table. That's all that I know, right? Earn it, and then I'll put it on there. No, but he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Why? Because he's a caring God, and he invites us to sit and rest because he's already the enemy's already been defeated. Why can you rest? Why can you sit in the middle of the battle because the enemy has already been defeated. Jesus said after he sent out the 72 and they came back and they said, "Wow, the demons even listen. They they flee at your name." And he says, "Yeah, he should. he says I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He he's already been defeated. That's why we can sit and rest. But what we want to do is we want to go out there and we want to strive and earn it. And Brady loves to say, and swing swords and fight and do all of that and work up a sweat because it makes us feel better about ourselves when our only invitation is to sit. He doesn't say, okay, relationship struggle. Now go back and earn your way back into that relationship. He says, come and sit at my feet because once you're at his feet, then everything that you need for that relationship to work back out Will be found at his feet. Yes. Yes. It will be found at the table that he prepares for us. He invites us to sit because he is seated. Yes. Hebrews chapter 1 it says that the sun is the radiance or the, the reflection. Of God's glory and the exact expression or the exact representation of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Yeah. Jesus is on the cross before he breathes his last breath. He says, It is finished. Yes. And he see it. he is seated at the right hand of the Father. You, you see, Jesus isn't even out there swinging a sword anymore. The enemy is defeated. We, we've been told that, oh, we can't, we can't say the enemy. We can't say Satan. We can't because it just gives him credence and gives him power. Oh, don't mention his name. No, look, what we do is we say we remind him of his defeat. Yes, sir. The enemy is defeated. The enemy, like and you're like, oh, don't say it. The enemy is a spineless little twerp that has been defeated. He, like it's not even a question. Colossians 2.15 says that Jesus conquered him on the cross. That he stripped him of all his power. Let me have my phone. I've meant to look it up. Colossians 2.15 in the message translation. Listen to this. It's, maybe somebody has it faster than me. Look at this. You're going to be like, this is crazy. Wow, quit talking and just type. Okay, you ready? You kind of got to go because, you know, it just kind of paraphrases some things. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. Listen to this. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. What? So, like, like... We've been told, don't mention his name, or man, he's so big and he's so powerful. He stripped him. Where they stripped Christ and hung him on a cross, he stripped them. March them through the streets naked and show them you have no power and you have no authority. For I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I am the Alpha, the Omega. I have accomplished all things. And he says, and now I prepare a table before you. And you are seated because he is seated at the right hand of the Father. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to strive. You don't have to work. You don't have to earn your way at that table. It has already been accomplished. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant it is finished. Finished. Everything that you will face has been defeated. You you can believe me or not, but it's the truth. (laughs) Hebrews 10 12. But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. (laughs) One sacrifice. For all of time, for all of sins, he did it and he sat down. There's no more time after time after time presenting a sacrifice to the priest. Like there's no more that I have to present myself to God. Am I holy? Am I righteous? Is it okay? You are the righteousness of God. Hebrews 12, 2, just in case you don't believe me. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. As another place says that he is seated on the throne. And that he's waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool. Like, Jesus is not worried. Like, like we, we get relationship issues we get budget shortfalls we get addictions and shame and condemnation and conviction and and things aren't right at work or somebody cut us off or the uh target it's a long line or it's always academy that they have the worst customer service to try to check out of that place and we begin to think man they're (laughs) man we we think that our battle becomes about those things and those people but it's no more we, we are able to be seated at the right hand. We're able to be seated at the table because Jesus is seated. It says that our weapons, we do not wage war as the world wages war. Because our weapons, are they're not flesh and blood. But, but we, we wage war. I'm, I'm really messing that one up. But against powers and principalities, rulers of darkness. Why could Judas be at the table? Because he was not Jesus' enemy. We, when we picture ourselves seated at a table in the presence of our enemies, a name, a person, a picture pops into our minds, and that's not the case. That person that cuts you off driving is not your enemy. The enemy is the anger that you have inside of you when someone cuts you off because you think you're better than that. You think that you, don't, you shouldn't have to take off your cruise control. The ones that aren't amen, amen, and are the ones that don't like to take off that cruise control, you know. But like that person is not your enemy. But the beauty is that through that trial, the Lord is able to deliver us of that anger, of that impatience, and so we're able to be seated at the right hand of the Father. You can experience God's goodness even in the midst of your enemies. You can experience God's goodness even in the midst of your enemies. Because God's goodness is not based on what's happening around you. It's always based on what's happening inside of you. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He had the joy of his Lord was his strength. But yet he was being nailed to a cross. You see, the the goodness of God does does not matter on what's going on around us. If you're going through a trial, a temptation, a hardship, it does not change the goodness of God. That's right. He is still good no matter what. He, he can only be good. He can't be anything else. And, and when, we, when we begin to look at this, when we go through these trials, even in the midst of our enemies, we can experience peace. Philippians 4, 6 says that he'll give you peace that surpasses your understanding. Even in the, like, I don't understand how I can be peaceful in this situation. People are like, man, how are you going through that? And like, you're not rocked. Like, you're not shaken. You're not turning your back. And and you're like, man, the Lord is good. Because his peace surpasses our understanding. It means that it bypasses our mind and it goes straight to our heart. We we can be at peace in our heart, but in our mind, we can still worry. It's hard to think of it as... Sitting. We think that we have to do and work and strive. We think that the gospel is spelled D-O. And it's spelled D-O-N-E. It's done. The, the, The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is that it's done. It's it's the finished work of the cross. And all we our only job is to sit at the table and renew our minds to that fact. When we go through a trial, or even if we're tempted, self-will and self-effort will only last so long. If I'm tempted to look at something inappropriate on a computer, I can only will myself for so long. It's until I sit at the table of Jesus and renew my mind to the fact that he knows me, he created me, he knows my needs and my wants, and he'll he'll find the time to satisfy those in the right way. I, I, I love shoes. I, I don't know if you know that. I, I I love a few things. I love my wife. Most of the kids, most of the time. Uh, I love Dr Pepper, and I love shoes. In some order. Because what happens is, but what. What I'm faced with, and this is a small trial, obviously, but I enjoy new shoes because I enjoy the attention I get for new shoes. The battle is to sit at his table and to find acceptance there and not go outside of there. Because for you guys to say that you like my new shoes, these aren't new, don't worry, don't look. For you to say that you like my new shoes will only last until one of those kids spills or steps on them. And then I'm going to have to go out and buy another pair of shoes because they're not new anymore. But if I'm seated at the table of the Father and I partake of the bountiful food that he has, I'm always accepted. I'm always loved. I'm never rejected. If you can learn to sit at the table to have your mind renewed to the fact that God is good, he loves you, and he cares for you, then you will not go in outside places. Why, why do we struggle with drugs and alcohol? Because we're trying to mask something that's going on inside of us. We, we want to avoid those situations, and so we mask it with drugs and alcohol. What? Why do some people, this is not all people, but why do some people have a lot of toys in and, and, and the big house and do all the things so that they can show and they can post on social media and brag to everybody about how they have everything that everybody else should want? Because there's, there's a hole in their heart that they're trying to find outside from the table of Jesus. That's not everybody that has those things. That's some people. That's their struggle. I've told you mine. You don't have to tell me yours, but you do have to tell the Father yours. When we sit at the table, there's no more striving. Mary and Martha in chapter Luke, chapter Luke, in Luke chapter ten. See one man flawed, broken, can't speak well. Luke chapter ten, Mary and Martha. Martha's running around trying to make it all happen. Mary seated at his feet. Martha's like, Jesus, seriously, look at her. He said, Hey, she's chosen correctly. The one thing that can't be taken away from her. We either believe that Jesus is enough, or we will go other places to find the enough. This will cause us to become angry and bitter and resentful. This idea of being seated at the table, you might take it as a, as a uh, message of, of not preaching holiness. Oh, well, I, I can just sit at the table and whatever happens, happens, and the Lord loves me because I'm seated at the table. No. The Lord says, Be holy as I am holy. We, we are called to a life of holiness, but what we have to understand is our holiness does not get us a seat at the table. That's where we get confused. We want to try to be holy so that we can get a seat at the table. The, the, it's already there. You, you come into relationship with him. You are the righteousness of God. You are seated at the table. You don't earn your seat by your holiness, but we are called to be holy. Holy. Because our goal is to get as many people at that table as possible. And if you're out there living the life that you're not supposed to be, then that's a horrible witness to those around us. The lost and broken that go, why would I want to go there? We are holy, not for us and not for a seat at the table. We are holy so that the world out there, an unholy, a broken, a fallen world, can look at us and go, man, they're doing something right. And you're able to welcome them in. The next one he says, You anoint my head with oil. Like, like we did over Stephen Renee. We were generous with the oil. We did not anoint it biblically. It was a, it was an idea that when you anointed someone, when, when you brought somebody over to your house, you anointed their head with oil because it purified them, it, it, it refreshed them, it, it brought. A fragrance into the home, and and so it was a it was kind of a welcoming into them. Can I also say? Can I go back to this? I, I, the Lord just reminded me of this. When you're seated at the table with Him, the reason you don't have to fight, it's already finished. But when you when you would go to somebody's house. And you sat at their table, you didn't have to worry about anything else. If there, if there was a battle that was about to happen out there, you were protected because you were a guest in their house. They they took honor in knowing that, hey, if you came to my house, you were protected here. And so that, that, that's another thought process is, we are an honored guest. He cares for us and protects us because we're around his table. You anoint, but then he says, you anoint my head with oil. One, in the practical sense, they would do that for that. But then also a shepherd would anoint the sheep with oil. He would pour oil over their head because the sheep would get, you know, as you kind of come out of things and into new seasons, they would get uh, nose flies. And they, if you weren't careful, you didn't have the oil on them to shoo them away. And then what would happen is they would go up into their nose. They would lay their eggs, larvae, and then, you know, eventually, you know, it's pretty nasty. So happy, have a great lunch. But like, uh, you know, like... <laughs> And so you anoint them with oil because it provides protection over the little things that can fester and you know cause us to be pest. And so the Lord anoints us with oil because those things that can be pesty, but that can also lead to long-term health things. Because if because if, the sheep can't get those off of them himself or herself, right? Can't do it. They need the shepherd to care for and the shepherd to pour the oil. And so if unattended, then it would become scabs and the scabs would lead to even more things. And so it's just a, it's it's David as a shepherd teaching us, hey, he anoints us with oil. He purifies us, he cleanses us, and he protects us. We're going to end with this last one and it says, my cup overflows. I mean, this is David speaking. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's the promise that God is good. Because we're going to get into the next verse next week. And it says, surely goodness and mercy. Or the CSB says, surely only goodness and faithful love will pursue me. It's this idea that we have to come to that my cup overflows. You can go, man, but Jeff, you don't know that. You don't know about my cup. No, I do know about your cup and your cup overflows the problem is you're looking at somebody else's cup and expecting it to be yours yes, when you think that your cup isn't overflowing it's because you're looking at somebody else's cup thinking that yours should look just like that there are people that that maybe maybe they have bigger cups maybe they have better cups but your cup overflows you you have I know I don't know all of your situations, but you have everything that you need. Because he's talking, my cup overflows. And in 1 Peter, he says, you have everything that you need for life and godliness. What? How? Not, not you have everything that you need for life and godliness because you have enough money, you have enough kids, you have enough toys, you have enough house. No, he says, you have everything you need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yeah. We have everything we need. My cup overflows, not because maybe I, I have a million dollars in my bank account. My cup does not overflow because I have the biggest house in strong. My cup does not overflow because whatever. My cup overflows because I have the knowledge of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And the moment that you begin to doubt whether your cup overflows, you need to renew your mind to the fact that Jesus is all you need. Yes, yes, yes. We, can, we can look at other people's cups and we can go, man, I wish I had this and I wish I had that. We can get so busy getting caught up trying to keep up with the Joneses. But that's not what he has for you. The Lord is never going to give me a million dollars. I'm not a good steward for that. I I can grow grumpy and I can be frustrated that other people are going to have more money than me. Or I can say, Father, I thank you that you trust me with what you've given me. I can be frustrated that other people are going to have nicer cars. Or I can say, Father, I, I know that you, you know exactly what I need. And the minute that that changes, then you'll change. The minute a, a, a new need arrives, you'll provide. He's never late. <laughs> He's always on time. We have to renew our mind to the fact that our cup does overflow. Overflow. Just the fact that you are here proves my point. Because you've been arguing with me in your, in your mind since I said that. Just the fact that you're here proves my point. We, we are blessed to be in this nation. We are blessed to be in Texas. Other than the summer, but we are blessed to be in Texas we, we are blessed to be where we are. We're blessed to have breath in our lungs. Like You can say, man, my cup doesn't overflow. i got a bill this week. I don't know how I'm going to pay. Well, you got breath in your lungs. You, you've got life in you. You've got hope. And so my encouragement to you today as we wrap up is just quit striving. Quit, quit picking up the sword and trying to do it yourself. Quit trying to earn yourself a seat at the table. You have to learn to rest at that table. To sit and let other people wait on you. You have to sit there and stay seated. Because he says he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. But the trick is to stay there. Because like sheep, we all wander. The trick isn't getting there. It's the trick is staying there. Not to allow your mind to go to places that it doesn't need to go. Not to allow your heart to be stolen by your fleshly desires. That's right right after in in, uh, Colossians 3 verse 1. That's what it talks about. Let me just read it and then we're going to end with it, I promise. I know pastors say that way too often. Colossians chapter 3. It says, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And he says, so set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Therefore, put to death the, the earthly nature, you know, sexual immorality, all that. And it says, anyways, it goes through there, but, but put your mind to this. So we are seated with Christ and we stay seated because we put our mind on things above, not on earthly things. The way you stay seated is to get your mind off of the fleshly, to put it on the eternal. You are anointed, you are protected you are blessed. Your cup does overflow. I'm going to pray and dismiss this, but my encouragement is for you to t- just take something that I said today. I, I didn't say something that everybody's going to enjoy. I didn't say something that everyone, it might say one to thing to one and one to another, but, but take it, dig into his word, and then say, Lord, how can you use me tomorrow at work, tomorrow in the community? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this Psalm 23. Thank you for the beauty, for the depth that you have for us through this Psalm. Father, I I pray that these words would not just be a one-time thing. Father, but that we would pour over these words. That you would encourage us daily through them. And Father, that you could use them and do more benefit to the kingdom than I ever could if I just held on to them myself. Father, may you use us to reach the lost, the hurt, and the broken. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you guys go, make sure and sign up for something. uh, Family lunch next week all about that chicken. All right, here we go.